So throughout the month of June, we're thinking about the theme of generosity. And I wonder if you just, in your minds, and I won't ask you to shout out, but in your minds, think about the last time when you experienced a generous act from another person. And not only think about who it was and what it was that was done generously to you, but think about how you received it. You know, because we all experience things in different ways. Sometimes acts of kindness we find difficult to handle. Others, they're quite transforming. When someone comes alongside us and does something which is generous to help us out, we actually find it quite transformative. So I wonder if in your mind you can visualise or imagine or recall a situation where you experienced generosity. Well, we're thinking about what it is to be a generous people all month. And in the church, let me, let me tell you a little secret. When vicars talk about generosity, usually congregation members groan because people imagine that the vicar's about to sting them for more money. That's what normally happens when we run a generosity campaign. But this is different. This is about encouraging a posture of heart which is generous and therefore transformative in our world. Now, I don't know if you've watched the TV series Dragon's Den, which is a particular favourite of mine. Just gesture at me if you have. Okay, a few of you. Okay. And I wonder if you have. Fantastic, right at the back. Good. And I wonder if you've ever imagined yourself pitching to the dragons. I wonder if you've actually secretly got an entrepreneurial idea that you'd love to pitch um, in the den for investment. So for those of you who didn't put your hands up, let me just pray see what Dragon's Den is. So four or five investors, I forget how many exactly, hear pitches from would-be entrepreneurs and inventors. And they come into the den and say, we'd like £80,000 for a 5% stake in our business. And you get a variety of pitches. Um, You get the pitches that go on um, to be funded and invested in, and they become great successes. One of the powerful ones, I think, in the recent series was um, hand cream for NHS workers who all day, even more than most of us, are sanitising their hands and getting dry hands as a result. So one entrepreneur devised uh, a hand cream for uh, NHS workers. Um, But there have also been some wacky suggestions. And as I recall these suggestions, I would just like to apologise up front if any of these entrepreneurs are in the building today or watching online, and I cause any offence whatsoever. But one of these um, non-funded investments, shall we say, to be charitable, was a domestic safe that was designed to go into the wall or fence of your front uh, garden, if you have a front garden, so that not only could letters be delivered, but Amazon parcels and so on could also be delivered, and they would be held dryly and securely. Now, get, you get to play investors for a few moments. Imagine I was standing here and trying to pitch to you as seasoned business professionals um, who can invest in anything you like, the idea that every home really needs this domestic safe in the garden wall. And I wonder what you're thinking. 
I wonder if you're thinking, well, hang on, who can afford a domestic safe in a garden wall? I wonder how many of you are thinking, well, we live in a beautiful area and quite fond of my garden wall and I don't want to stick a dirty great big safe in the middle of it. How many of you are thinking, actually, it's not really a problem for me because, you know, if I order a book from Amazon, the postie puts it through the letterbox. Or some of you are thinking, if there's a certain delivery company, which we won't name for legal reasons, um, that just throw your parcels over the fence or wall anyway and are going to completely ignore any safe that you have in your wall. So there have been some, some ideas which have worked. It's a sore subject for me. I'm still processing it. Um, and some ideas which haven't worked. But if you're there and you're an investor, what you're seeking to do is fund the ideas that will make you a return. That's your interest. And if there are any um, incidental things that it will help the world or um, transform people's lives, then, then that's a bonus. But for the investor, the, 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 the primary aim is that they make money. And I found myself, because I'm a vicar and I ask these questions, don't groan, what would Jesus be like if he was an investor on Dragon's Den? Just play along with me for a few minutes. What would Jesus do if he was an investor on Dragon's Den? How would his approach be different? Because I don't think Jesus would be solely interested. In fact, I don't think Jesus would be interested in making a profit from people's efforts. We had a pitch um, the other day, and it was a sales pitch in some ways, but it was a good and godly one from Mike at Compassion UK. And Mike came to talk to us about child poverty in the world. And we particularly focused on Uganda because we have uh, a mission link with Uganda. And so we wanted to think about that a lot. And Mike was telling us the stories of two, um, two young children who have been sponsored through Compassion UK. And he was telling us the story about how one child sponsored, I've forgotten his name and it's gone, um, but he went on um, to have a full education. He went on to study a PhD, I think in Cambridge or Oxford, one of the two. And he's now on the board of Compassion UK. His life has been completely transformed by that sponsorship. Now, if I went into the den as an investor or as, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a pitch and said to the investors, I want you to pay me £26 a month to sponsor a child and you'll get nothing um, in terms of profit back from that. You might think I was mad. But the Bible says, what does it, what does it profit a person to gain the whole world and yet lose their soul? And I think if Jesus was sitting there, I think he would think this is a really transformative opportunity to invest in someone's life in a way that will lead to their transformation. What does generosity look like if it's not to seek the best outcomes for people? And Michelle and Daniel will know this for Josiah and Malachi, and I'm a father to Izzy and Henry who by some miracle, are still with my wife in the back pew. Um, and, and I know that my, my bi one of my biggest goals in life is that Izzy and Henry flourish, um, that they're safe um, and that they achieve their potential. And I'm prepared to be as generous as my circumstances allow 
to support Izzy and Henry in being safe and reaching that potential that they have. And, and I suspect that that resonates with so many of you who've, who either have or have had children or grandparents now. You want the best for your children. And so we have generous hearts. Now, in our first reading that Val read, um, St Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And what he's trying to do is encourage them to give an amount of money voluntarily to the church in Jerusalem. Because the church in Jerusalem was in dire financial straits. It was doing some amazing work. It was helping widows and orphans. The church in Jerusalem was growing and attracting new members. So overtly it was quite successful. But they were financially broke. And so Paul has been going round the churches around the region, trying to persuade people to give um, out of their own resources to support the church in Jerusalem because it needed their help. And he doesn't just go to the affluent areas. Corinth was a major trading area, and it was seen as quite an affluent place. So to Corinth, Paul writes, we want you to give out of your abundance, out of what you have to those in need. But last week we were thinking about how Paul was writing to another place, Macedonia, who were a poor, deprived community, but still they voluntarily gave. And that's the heart of generosity, that either out of our abundance or out of our scarcity, we would give to those in need. And that's part of what baptism is about. God gives to us the abundance of his love. God gives to us an abundant purpose in living. And then he expects us to do amazing things in his strength with those gifts. Today, I like to think that Josiah is starting a new chapter in his life. A chapter when, blessed by the Holy Spirit and the love of God in his heart, he sets out to discover what God's purposes are in the world. I forget who said this, and I usually remember who said it and not what they said, but today I flipped it round. But um, the two greatest events in life are, first of all, knowing that you were born, and it was Mark Twain, knowing that you were born and knowing why you were born. Knowing that you were born and knowing why you were born. Josiah probably knows that he's alive. I hope he does. He's in his dad's arms at the moment, and it's fantastic. But the day when he really discovers why he's alive is going to be another exciting day indeed. And ditto for everyone here. Amen.